Welcome into a very special bubble edition of Sportball. It's your boy Sam. With me as always are my two most nefarious enemies, Seth and Kyle. What's up, fuckers? Hey. Just chilling like a villain. You know me. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> Anything new with any of you? I mean, I talk to you guys every day, but for the listeners, you know. <laughs> um, oh, I, I, I got some good news that I'll be getting a tuition waiver for my classes this year uh, for my graduate assistantship. So I'm excited about that, and I won't have to be paying full price for online classes. So that'd be nice. Nice. Every school should honestly do that. No one should have to pay full price to sit right. in the house and look at a screen. Yeah. But that's America, so. Excellent. Kyle, nothing new with you, I assume? No. I'm just, you know, enjoying life now that we have sports back. I don't sleep anymore until, you know, 2, 3 in the morning with all the games going on. Mainly hockey. Hockey, the Blackhawks have been starting at fucking like 10 at night. Oh my god! Yeah, it's bubble for you. It's the bubble. That's the bubble. Uh, so we should we should tell the listeners that we're recording this on the night of August fifth, twenty twenty, the year of our Lord, and <laughs> things in the bubble. <laughs> things in the bubble can change in mere hours, days, seconds. So I anything mean, we say may look aged in a few days and we apologize in advance for that but what are you gonna do uh and um i gave homework for both of you which i assume neither of you did i said everyone bring in three things about the nba bubble that you want to discuss on this podcast uh and we I said brought fuck four. you go to hell <laughs> and obviously i have four prepared uh but first just what are your guys initial thoughts of the nba bubble so far you know how, what have you liked what have you not liked have you been enjoying it Well, I'd say it's just a joy to have basketball back um, amidst all the turmoil in our world and everything that's going on. It's just a release to be able to watch basketball again. Um, And they just announced today that there have been zero positive COVID cases since um, of like people in the bubble since the bubble started. So that's definitely good news. Um, I think, you know, you could look at it that, like, it's a little bit unfair that the NBA has all these resources to test people all the time and all the stuff that a normal human in America doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could look at it that the NBA has much better leadership than the totality (laughs) of the country. So, right, it's a little bold. I think. The NBA is paying for a third part. Like they're not using. Um, right, it's not taxpayer dollars or anything. Yeah, right. they're they're paying for their own services. It's not like they're just getting, you know, the National Guard coming down to test every player every day. Like <laughs> that is not what they signed up for. Like I have to go test NBA players. But that's a good point. That it's like you really this pandemic really makes you notice how well-run organizations and countries are (laughs) you know um we can see that there's good leadership top down in the nba and uh not so much in america so damn truth 
Kyle, what what do you liked about the bubble so far? Um, the the content coming out from having just like all the players together. If you don't follow at NBA Bubble Life on Twitter, I'm sure they have an Instagram too, but I don't know. Um, it's just top notch content. It's I'm pretty sure it's like some guy that just scours Instagram live, Instagram videos, Snapchat videos, everything that every player in the bubble has been posting, and he just posts recaps at the end of every day and throughout the day. So, you know, we found out that Myers Leonard is the absolute shotgun champ. Absolutely outrageous how fast. I'm not even sure the the can touch his mouth before he was done. (laughs) I don't know how he does it. He just opens his gullet and it just gets like absorbed. It's nuts. I think he was watching the Pelicans eat and then he he highly recommend anyone that uh, hasn't been following NBA bubble life, Instagram or Twitter. Kyle, that's, that would have been the dream job for you. I don't know why you're not running that account. I really fucked up. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's all uh, every day anyways. Yeah, it's been it's been really enjoyable so far, and the on-court product has been incredible. I mean, we kind of thought maybe PLH would be out of shape, they'd be rusty, but the games have been super intense. It's a playoff atmosphere already. I mean, like, people are mostly in shape. The games are really, really good. And the production of it, I've really enjoyed. I mean, I don't really miss the fans or the arena at all. If I, I don't either. I honestly don't want fans to come back, but I know that's <laughs> – We don't need them. <laughs> Yeah, they do a really good job of like blacking out what you know where the arena would be and like having the virtual fans yeah. and, and crowd noise pumped in, so it works well. Um, it really just feels like basketball, you know. Maybe that's because it's what it is. They're playing with a basket and they have a ball in their hand. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, should we just should we stop fucking around here or what? I didn't think we were fucking around, but yeah, we can stop it. <laughs> All right, let's get down to uh, what we call in this our our three bubble things, our our three our bubble trifecta, three things. Your bubble here now. What do you think? Our bubble three, kind of like a bubble tea, but you know, mm. add an R in there. Okay, we'll, I we'll really can go for. I've been dying for some bubble tea. Recently. I love bubble tea, dude. Big bubble tea guy here. All right, fine. It's our bubble three. <laughs> Uh, I told you guys I want to start with with my my first bubble thing, my first bubble tea, you might say. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the first thing I wanted to talk about is the race for the A seed in the West. And as we know, this probably will have little to no bearing on the rest of the playoffs, but it is certainly one of the prevailing topics so far in the play in games in the bubble. We have, dare I say, four teams that are legitimately in the, in the race. Um, I'm just going to, I thought I might just go through each of the teams and we can kind of quick give our feelings on them. So right now in the AC are the Grizzlies who we know we love led by none other than Jonathan Morant, full name. <laughs> I love Jonathan Morant. <laughs> <laughs> and so they still have – I took a couple statistics from Kevin Pelton's piece on ESPN today. <clears throat> Do you mind? This is the fifth, once again, for our listeners. So these odds could certainly change by the day. But they still had the Grizzlies at 61% to finish eighth, 28% to finish ninth, and 41% to make the playoffs in general. But mm. 
you know, they, they are now as of today, zero and four in the bubble. Yeah. Um, this was, this piece was written when they're own three. So, but they, um, they're still favored to make the playoffs, but it sounds like there's absolutely basically hundred percent going to be a play in in the West, which we always knew was mostly likely, but since the Grizzlies have gone all in four, you can basically count on it now because all the ninth seed has to do is be four games behind the Grizzlies for that to happen. So another scenario that's arising is that the Grizzlies might not even make the play in in general, you know, if they keep losing, which would which be kind of wild to think before about that, to be honest. Yeah. And so here's the rest of their schedule, which is, it's really tough. So they lost to the Jazz today. I'll give you a little, little sound effect so you know how I feel about each team, all right? So, <laughs> so they're playing the Thunder next. The Raptors, ooh. the Celtics, ooh. and the Bucks. Eh. You know, the Bucks might be resting their starters if they had the well, first, you know, the one seed. And they lost to the Nets, so who's to say for the Bucks? But, I mean, realistically, the Grizzlies need to win probably – they definitely need to win one, maybe two of these games to even be in the play-in. So – Ugh. And Jaron Jackson Jr., JJJ, uh, their best big, although Kyle might disagree, uh, is out for the rest of the season. So what do you guys think? I mean, are, are they going to be still in the play-in? Do you think, given uh, the insertion into the play-in for them, they have a good chance? Are you, are you guys just out on the Grizzlies now? Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, we're halfway through the eight games. They haven't won it. They got an over. <laughs> I don't think they're going to make it, especially now that Jaron's out. Yeah. I mean, I said it before to you guys last night. I think Brandon Clark's better than Jaron Jackson anyways, but having one of them at least, which has been obviously Brandon Clark, be able to come off the bench and play with the second unit is huge. Um, and not having – one of those versatile big men that could shoot threes like Triple J and Brandon Clark can definitely, you know, puts a damper on their game plan. And now we're seeing Grayson Allen play, you know, 15 plus minutes a game. I like Grayson. Like, Fuck Grayson Allen. Fuck dude. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see him making it. I, I know you, uh, there's so many scenarios that that need to happen for a lot of uh, – like, we'll, we'll keep talking about it, but Seth, what are your thoughts yeah. on it? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a little bit prejudiced against the Grizzlies, and I don't really know why because I do love Jonathan Morant. <laughs> and, like, I feel like they should be more – exciting to watch than I normally find them um so I, I kind of find myself just cheering for them to lose um because I think I think the ideal scenario would be a Portland New Orleans play-in would be the most exciting in my mm-hmm. opinion um and yeah I just really want to see Portland in the playoffs and be able to uh see a matchup first round Dame versus LeBron I think that'd be pretty fun I just want to win both of my bets against Kyle. So, therefore, I'm cheering <laughs> for the Grizzlies because I bet at the beginning of the season that the Pelicans and the and the and both the Pelicans and Portland wouldn't make the playoffs. So, I'm really hoping for that. Um, 
Seth, that's a good transition to another team in contention, Portland. So, look, I think we all think Portland's the best team here who's who's in this race. It's just that, you know, they're in this race to begin with because they had injuries this year. Um, and like Seth said, you know, although the rest of these teams would be easy fodder for the Lakers in the first round, I think. I think we all think that Portland could give them a little run just because of their electric backcourt and the fact that the Lakers don't really have – you know, too many players left to guard those guys. So they do have still a 15% chance to make the playoffs according to the projections. And I think that's so low because of their schedule, right, which we've talked about. They have sound effects again. They got the Nuggets. Hmm. They got the Clippers. Ooh. They got the Sixers, which who knows, right, with the Sixers. They got the Mavs, and they got the Nets. So Nets, easy win, but the only one on it that's easy. Um, and I kind of think that – you know, although Portland does have a tough schedule, like I said, I think they're the best team in this race, and I just have more confidence in these other teams that they can pull up games against anyone. I mean, they just beat Houston last night, right? So although they have a tough schedule, Portland can hang with anyone. We know that, right? Yeah, especially with Nurkic back. He's such an insane X factor for them that they haven't had all season, and obviously we've seen it over the first three games that they've played in the bubble, but He's just he's he's a Bosnian a, sensation. That's what he is. Yeah, he's like a, a less athletic. I don't know if he's like that less athletic. He just looks it, but like a less athletic Bam Adebayo. Mm. Mm. I like that comparison. He's a really good passer. I miss Nurkic, man. I missed him, and he's yeah. back a hundred percent. Yeah, he looks yeah, fucking so phenomenal. Nurk was one of my three big things. Mm. Um, so might as well just bring that up now because yeah. I feel like I remember at the beginning of last season when people were like, hey, if you haven't watched Portland this year, Nurkic is actually their second best player, not CJ. Honestly. And yeah. then he got injured and it just like – and they still made it to the Western Conference Finals, which was wild. But then I think it kind of caught up to them earlier this season in addition to Zach Collins being out. And so now with both of them back, they just have so much more depth, versatility, and passing from the big man position that I think it really unlocks things for Damian and CJ. And, and Dame doesn't have to, like, score 45 every night for them to win. Yeah, um, right. So I've been really enjoying watching them, and I feel like they're going to be the eighth seed, but they're, like, just as good as any non-LA team in the West, I feel like. Right, and it's like – and this is kind of how I felt before the season, right, and why I picked them to miss the playoffs because instead of Nurkic, they had Hassan Whiteside, you know, that was their stopgap, who we know is not a winning player. Some would call him a cancer, a tumor for a team. And, he, <laughs> I mean, we know he led the – I think he led the league in blocks, but we know that he chases blocks on the defensive end and is not a winning defensive player and doesn't do much on offense except rebounding. So, you know, and – we looked at their roster at the beginning of the year. They had Hassan Whiteside and they got Mario Hazonia, Mario fucking Hazonia playing minutes for their team. And now that they have <laughs> Nurkic back, they have Collins healthy, they have the emergence of Gary Trent Jr. This is a team that, like you said, you, you look at their healthy roster, I would take them over like four teams in the West, you know, four, four of the top eight seeds. I mean, they just – I mean, I think they could give – the Lakers a little scared in the first round. I don't think they would win, but that's definitely, like you said, with Nurkic back, this is the most dangerous team in this race. 
Yeah, 100%. You know, I know we were talking the other day about <laughs> ranking the, the, the four teams kind of in contention for that eighth spot. And I just dismissed Portland as being the best overall. And I think I definitely overlooked or, or just didn't factor in how crazy Nurkic has been. I was just looking at, oh, if Zion's going to be playing, you know, like 30 minutes a game, then they're like a shoe-in. But after taking the last day to think about it and what you guys have just said about, you know, Nurkic being back and Carmelo Anthony's skinny so he can actually move. Um, Mello looks good. And Gary Trent, Jr., Jr. of course, (laughs) just lighting it up off the bench like – for some reason, Gary Trent reminds me of like uh, when Fred Van Vliet was coming off the bench for the Raptors last year. I don't know what it is, mm. but it's just like he's someone that could come in and just get extremely hot out of nowhere and just drop like 30 points. And you're like, what are you going to do now when you have this guy coming off the bench dropping 30 and then you got to worry about CJ, Dame and Nurkic as well? So if he gets on one of those runs, similar to what Fred Van Vliet, did, Van Vliet did last year, yeah, I could see them making obviously a run. But I think completely healthy now, they are arguably the third or fourth best team in the West. Honestly, right? I mean, who would you take over them? I mean, obviously the two LA teams, maybe Houston, maybe the Nuggets, but like Denver, but that's about it. You can, they could, they could beat any of the teams under the LA teams, you know, that they're just as good as them. I mean, they made the Western conference finals with this roster last year. We know that. So (laughs) and the team's definitely better now than it was last year. Right. Right. Uh, I, the other, yeah, the other thing I was going to bring up was mellow because Mm -hmm. I feel like in his last two stops in Houston and OKC, it was like, he just couldn't hit catch and shoot threes anymore. Yeah. And then now suddenly he's like back to being like a passable. I mean, I haven't looked at the stats in the bubble, but just from watching, it seems like, oh, Melo actually hit that, you know? And it's yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, feel he like, sealed the game for them against Houston the other night. Right. And I feel like at this point of his career, like you said, that's really what you need him to be is just make jump shots. And he just wasn't doing that for whatever reason. But in the bubble, honestly, is bubble Melo better than hoodie Melo? I think everyone's better in the bubble, right? <laughs> it does seem that. I swear, like... Except LeBron. There's something in the water yeah. in Florida. There's something in the there water. There is something. I, like, you're talking about Gary Trent Jr. I feel like I haven't seen him miss once in the bubble. TJ Warren yeah. hasn't missed once in the bubble either. <laughs> Another <laughs> junior. TJ. Another ju- those Those juniors, man. They come to play. Okay, well... Sad that you're done with your one of those big things because I'm going to yeah. go on to the Pelicans. One of your bubble threes? <laughs> yeah, one of your bubble tees. Uh, the third team in contention, these are the top three, I would say, for the eighth seed, is the Pelicans, who still have a 36% chance to make the playoffs. So they still have them in the simulations higher than Portland um, due to their schedule. I mean, you look at their <laughs> – this is their remaining schedule. Are you guys ready for this? I mean, I think I could go four out of five on this. I know. Okay. <laughs> They got the Kings, they got the Wizards, they got the Spurs, they got the Kings, they got the Magic. So, I mean, 5-0, and 4-1 and is reasonable, you know, and that's why a lot of people are high on them making the playoffs. But the thing is, 
maybe what the simulation doesn't quite grasp is that I think of them as like the opposite of Portland. Like, okay, Portland has a tough schedule, but I trust them to win tough games against good opponents and take care of business against mediocre or like opponents. The Pelicans right. could blow any one of these games. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're a young team. They just, they don't play any defense. I just, although this schedule is a cakewalk, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go to four and one that they should, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it really depends on obviously if they're going to let Zion play like he played the last game. Like, if they're going to be running him in two, three-minute stints and stopping him at 15, 16 minutes, I don't think there's a shot. If they're going to be giving him 30 minutes, things look much different. And Lonzo Ball has looked like complete ass since since uh, play resumed. And I don't really expect that to, you know, be a thing that keeps up. Like, he was absolutely rolling before, before quarantine. But I guess he's not drinking the same water that everyone else is down there. <laughs> it's funny, too, like, I mean, I don't want to overreact to three games. But then again, this entire podcast is just going to be us overreacting to three games. It's just funny because, like, players have bad or good strategy during the bubble. And we're like, oh, my God, you know, because, like, it's such a magnifying glass of everything. And it just, like, feels like yeah. this is all that matters. But it's only, like, three – it's only, like, a three-game stretch so far, you know? <laughs> yeah, so – the interesting thing, right? So the Pelicans, they say they went out and they end up six and two in the bubble. The Grizzlies only need to win. They need to win three of their next four games to overtake them and keep that spot. But they still could be the ninth seed, right? The Grizzlies, you mean? The Grizzlies could be the ninth seed, yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess, yeah. It's just the percentages for Grizzlies, Blazers, and Pelicans. It's like a matter of one game, one game each way for each team. It's going to be the last game. I think is going to be the last day or two is going to be crazy in the bubble. I mean, the thing is, the thing that's going to be crazy is the rule is that if you're within four games of the eighth seed then you're in the play-in. Well, you know, there's going to be, like, maybe four teams within four games of Memphis. Yeah. You know, there might not be anyone technically eliminated until the last few games, um, which brings me to my next team that I, I must – we must discuss at least two more teams because they deserve our respect. First, I'd like to discuss <laughs> the Spurs. Now, I, in the past, have been known to say that I will never watch the Spurs <laughs> over my own dead body. Okay. But, but I'm we, say as something. we all know you're a man devoid of principles. I have no principles. And I'm going to say something blasphemous. I think I like the bubble Spurs. I said it. The thing it's is different than the regular season Spurs. Pop yeah, is the, playing the kids. Exactly. The thing is, LaMarcus is over there clutching his barely injured shoulder. So he's not playing. And then. You have DeRozan at the four, at the four, and then you have you have DeJounte, you have Derek White, and you have Lonnie Walker, the 15th. It's just fun to watch them play, and Derek White can't miss a three somehow. DeMar DeRozan is like, I think he's third in assists in the bubble. 
Like, you're really just seeing how good of a playmaker he can be when he doesn't have LaMarcus having to post up on the left block every fucking time. And, you know, you surround DeRozan with shooters and you don't have LaMarcus there. It kind of works. I mean, they're, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or anything, but, I mean, they might. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting, right? We all always have talked about Pop being one of the greatest coaches of all time, but I feel like we never talked about the fact that he's never really adjusted – his style of play over the course of, you know, all these years. Like I think over the last year and a half, two years, kind of when the Spurs have been on the decline, obviously it has to do with, you know, losing Tony Parker, losing Ginobili and losing Duncan, but they're good even players. If, even <laughs> if they still and had five. them, even if they still had them, I don't think their style of play would have been good enough to be, uh, you know, in the top half of the, Western Conference now that all these other teams over the last two years have been adjusting to more of you know three-point shooting teams and small ball teams like Pop wants to have a big man Pop wants to be able to post up that's why he has you know LaMarcus it's what he's done always with um what the fuck's his name I can't Tim Duncan. What, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best post-up uh, man in history, maybe. I mean, yeah, it was I mean, bound to happen. I always forget someone. Um, I, I feel I, like I feel like the Spurs were playing kind of that style of play before yeah. it was popular in like 2013, 14. Yeah, and they then, took tons of threes when they had good right. players. Danny Green, Gary Neal, and but they Patty still Mills had. And, but then once it's like Pop was trying to zig when everyone else is zagging. And he found himself with Dumar and Lamarcus, and he's right, like, what are you gonna right, do? "I guess I'm going to try to like be the team that masters the mid range." Yeah, I was going to say like zigging into uh, a big man that's shooting mid ranges yeah. and paying Dumar to take one step inside the three point line and take a jump shot. I, I think you could. I think you could more blame Pop for the the general manager side of things than the than the coaching side of things. Like once you already have Lamarcus and Demar in there, what else are you going to do, right? I mean, neither of those players shoot threes, and they're your two best players. So I guess, he doesn't really yeah. have the personnel to shoot a ton of threes. So he just tried to play to their strengths. But you could say it was a pretty big mistake to get those guys in there together in the first place, which I would agree with, you know. And yeah. I, you know, I think that when he had talent in 2014, and that was like they were taking tons of threes and was playing the most beautiful basketball we've seen, right? Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, they have such good young players. Like, you didn't even mention Keldon Johnson, who Oof. has looked really good, too, right? during the these first three games in the bubble. Like, what he, he dropped 26 points and, like, six rebounds today. Easy money. I mean, I agree with you that it's – past time for them to start playing this style right and i'm glad they're finally that's why the that's why we, the bubble spurs are so much better than the regular spurs it's the truth and i do we do have to i think commend pop for any time he's asked a question he doesn't answer it like usual but he just redirects <laughs> yeah. it to social justice issues and yeah why isn't every coach doing that that's been good that's been pop has good. always been one of the best you know interviews in the game but yeah, I, I love the way he's taken it, taking his approach this time. I love Pop so much, honestly. Good old pizza uh, face. <laughs> so that's the Spurs. One more team I just want to mention briefly, because they're not going to make still the on his first bubble tee. I know. No, this is the last one. <laughs> I knew it was going to take a long time. I'm sorry, but we already hit one of Seth's bubble tees during my bubble tee. True. So 
I just want to mention the Suns because they're four and zero in the bubble, uh, or three and zero, I guess. Have, are they three and zero or four and zero? Crickets, they don't know. Three, three and zero, right? Okay, three and zero, and they just hit a let game game winner against the Clippers. They can't lose in the bubble. I just want to mention it. They still only have a two percent chance to make the playoffs, but <laughs> dare I say they've looked great. Yeah, I don't know. If they win out, then they might end up being within four games, though. And then we just have yeah. every single team in the West essentially playing a plan. <laughs> well, they only you have to be the nine seed to be the plan, but but they, they could get the nine seed, and there's a two percent chance, so anything could happen. All right, no one wants to talk about the Suns. You guys want to hear Kyle? Why don't you say your first your first bubble three? Uh. First bubble tea. <laughs> Again, this goes back to watching NBA bubble life videos. Uh, the NBA players playing golf in the bubble, top-notch content. I need mm. daily vlogs of them out on the course. Um, it's great to see incredible athletes be absolute ass at another sport. <laughs> um, so... I do have to say, uh, after watching numerous videos of Celtics players, Sixers, all kinds of players on the golf course, definitively I could say that Furkan Korkmaz, the worst golfer in the bubble, <laughs> hands down, he looks like um, Charles Barkley trying to swing a golf club. Complete ass. Isn't Charles Some actually people, good at golf? No, he's fucking terrible. No, they, they made an entire show about him fixing his fixing his golf swing. Well, maybe he's fixed it now. Right. It's not fixed. Um, <laughs> and he blamed it all on having a nervous tick. Hmm. I, I don't know. Um, two players in contention for the best golfer in the bubble based on just three to four videos I've seen. <laughs> Josh Richardson hmm. or... Jason Tatum. Wow, Jason. Or, haven't seen Jason hit a golf ball since he's cut his hair, so I don't know if that's going to affect anything. Oh, I'll need would. a video to come out to assess, but at this moment in time, those two are in the running for best golfers in the bubble based on about, like I said, three 20-second videos. This is the kind of content I wanted when I told you guys to come up with three things about the bubble. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What do you think, what do you think Furkan Korkmaz's uh, handicap would be? We talking like Based 30, 40? Ones, uh, yeah, at least. <laughs> he was brutal. So that means he's Worst. shooting like over 100, over 110. Have you seen the videos of Matt swinging a golf club? Similar. Our Very friend Matt, the <laughs> only fan of this show? Yeah. Yes. He sends it to me for no reason. I can't I wait to golf. get a text tomorrow morning from him. He keeps sending me videos of him like with like some sort of technology where it like follows his swing. And I'm like, I don't even play golf. Why are you sending Classic. this to me? <laughs> that's it's matt's new thing he has yeah. he has a thing always that he gets that's deeply true. invested in and give him a couple this months one's here to stay though no, it's here to stay. i i fear this might be here to stay the thing is like this time like usually he gets on these kicks and he's by himself he's got that's me and true. kevin this that's time that's true yeah. And he's completely given up on Froth, which he said to me the other day that we could have made the professional tour <laughs> if we kept playing in high school. <laughs> I know. 
Let's froth this week. Yeah, we're going to froth this week. Don't you worry about that. All right. So that was great, Kyle. Thank you. Seth, would you like to give another bubble tea? Sure. Um, Mine was going to be like kind of a combo. The main question is who is the favorite? So going into the bubble, I feel like objectively the Bucks should be like the number one rated team mm-hmm. with maybe the Lakers because of like LeBron's experience in the playoffs. Right. Right. The Bucks are the best the regular season team, but you know, right. The Lakers. And so then um, watching the, the Bucks Rockets game a few days ago, I was like all ready to be like, okay, this is when, you know, the Bucks can show the Rockets that they're, whole small ball thing is isn't really going to work against the best teams and that's not what happens and what I was especially concerned by was clutch time uh mm-hmm. with just like a few seconds left Giannis needs a bucket and he drives the lane and just like runs into traffic and throws the ball away yeah and I just felt like wow they really I think we lost him. That's it. Ripped to Seth. What do you think he was going to say? <laughs> he was going to say something about Giannis not being able to score in the clutch, which I agree with. Seth, continue your point about Giannis not being able to score in the final seconds. Yeah, so he just drove the lane into traffic and jumped in the air, realized he couldn't shoot, tried to throw a pass, and it was intercepted. Mm-hmm. And it's like – if they're going to Giannis down the stretch, he needs to be better than that. And I feel like Giannis is so good during most of the game, and it feels like he can get buckets so easily. And it's like, just have him get a running start, and it's over. But then when play slows down towards the end, I don't know. I'm not super confident with the ball in his hands that he'll be able to score. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't expect to have that concern about the Bucks, but I kind of have it now. And maybe that's just overreacting to one game and like they're going to win most of their games in the playoffs by 10. Anyways, it's not going to matter. Um, but I feel a little bit more uncertain, like who the favorite is. I think there've been some concerns about the Lakers too. LeBron not playing super well. I mean, I'm not concerned about that really, but they're missing some guys, Avery Bradley, Rondo. Do they have enough depth? Um, you've got concerns with the Clippers missing some guys, getting all of the guys healthy and available at the same time. And then Toronto is like looking amazing. Um, so I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering like, how do we rank those top teams and how much confidence do I have um, in any of the top teams moving forward? I think, I'll jump in here quick, Kyle, before you before we go. I was just going to say, for me, it's always been a concern with the Bucks, like you said, that I'm not sure <clears throat> how, you know, how well you can run Giannis during the last few seconds of a close game when he can't shoot very well, right? But I still just feel like that's – they're probably going to – I mean, they're obviously the favorites in the East, and I think that that's probably not going to be a huge problem in the East, but – I would worry about them beating either LA team in the finals because of that concern. And I would still, I think I would still pick either LA team over them in the finals if it comes down to that. Um, Kyle, do you agree with that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think we know Giannis is one of the greatest players there is in the game, but still his lack of shooting, I feel like is more of a hindrance than people acknowledge, like, especially what Seth said when it comes late in the game, like that's great, you know, against the Nets or against shitty teams, he takes three pointers and he makes them sometimes. But I mean, I I feel like you don't, he's not really doing that a whole lot against the top teams because he knows that he's not good enough at it. Mm-hmm. And a team like Houston, who's just so good and versatile defensively and has anyone that could switch on to him, that's that's a hard thing to do. You know, like what Seth said, when he's driving to the rim, he's going to run into someone. They're not just going to get out of his way. Like the Houston players know where to be at on defense and how to leverage their situation. And um, it's just not – it's just not something come crunch time against the best teams in the league that I don't think is, like, sustainable for him to yeah. just take over a game like that. Yeah, and I don't know. I think I would still go – Seth, when you're saying, like, how would I rank them? I would still – have a tier of the LA teams and the Bucks above everyone else. And, but I would, I would say Lakers first, I think Clippers second, Bucks third. I don't know. I just, I think, I think we have this kind of thing too, where we, we just haven't seen it yet. Right. You know, until the Bucks prove that against the best teams and, and, and deep in the playoffs, they can do it. We're just not going to really believe it. I mean, we've seen LeBron do it. We've seen Kawhi do it. Right. So we're more apt to, to be, to have more confidence in those teams and we just haven't seen Giannis do it yet. So. I think they're certainly the favorites in the East still, but I think I would take either West team over them. Um, but, you know, what's interesting about this season, like you're saying, is that every team has questions, right? And it's not like the years in the past where we've had the Warriors that we know are going to, you know, the Warriors and LeBron will be in the finals and we know it, right? You know, that's not necessarily the case this year. You know, you have the Lakers with, with some guards being out with no really great talent uh, outside of the top two guys. You have the Clippers – a lot of stuff going on there with um, Lou Williams, <laughs> with Lou Williams, and with Montrez, and like they have a lot of players in and out. They haven't really played together all season, and then the box you have the concerns you listed. So I think it's, I mean, it's more wide open than it has been in the past, right? Which is yeah, which makes it fun. So I think if I can pivot off of what you said too about. Uh, the Bucks in the East and about Toronto being there as well. I did want to discuss Toronto as one of my three things. So maybe we could just pivot into that. I wanted to bring up a comparison that I thought of because so we all know how good Toronto has been this season. Right. And yet I hesitate to think of them as a real contender to win the finals. And I think a lot of people do consider them um, a team that can win the finals, even without, Kawhi we all know they won last year but they lost their best player (laughs) and I was trying to think like when has a team like this ever won the championship right and maybe we throw this all out because of the bubble but since the merger there's only one team like this has ever won and that's the 04 Pistons because you're looking at a team that doesn't have a top 10 player gotcha so you're looking at a team that doesn't have a top 10 player a superstar right they're gonna have one all NBA player most likely Vasquez Siakam I think he'll probably make third team um, and you look back at the 04 Pistons, they had Ben Walls as an All-NBA, but 
mostly because he played center and there's only three center spots. Um, they didn't have a superstar, right? They had the best defense in the league. Raptors have the second best defense. So, you know, maybe we use that as a blueprint to convince ourselves that they can be a contender. I mean, like, if they do win, it's going to be pretty much unlike any champion we've had since the merger, right? I mean, they yeah. have no they have no superstar. They lost their superstar last season. They're just really well coached, and they have elite defense, and that's basically I mean, what the Pistons were, so. Certainly no team has ever lost a superstar of that caliber and won the championship the next year. Right. But do you guys think that, like, do you guys think that these Raptors can be like the second coming of that Pistons team? No superstar, great defense wins the title, or is that not in the cards? So I I don't want to say that they don't, I know most people don't think they have a superstar, but I think there's like, the ability or possibility that Siakam could become a superstar in the very short term. Like Mm -hmm. we know what he has in him. Like, it's not like it's just a bunch of, you know, good players that have really good chemistry. They have, I think Siakam's a great player. Van Vliet's a very good player. And when Lowry's on, as much as I hate to say it, he is a very good point guard. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's not just a ragtag collection of players that are very good defensively. They're very good at all parts of the court. Like, they're, what, top five and threes taken a game. They're top three, I think, in three-point percentage. Like, they play this style of basketball and defend it very well. And I just – I don't think, like, this is something that's fake. We've seen it all season. And I think that they have a very good chance too of if it comes down to them and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals that they could beat the Bucks. It's not something crazy to me. Yeah, I think you know obviously the comparison isn't perfect between them and the Pistons, but I was just kind of thinking like, this, would Pascal Siakam be the worst best player in a championship team ever? And probably since the Pistons, right? <laughs> I mean, he has a hot sauce named after him (laughs) i don't know if any other player has that i mean you know we usually see the best two players in the league win the finals let alone you know the top eight or so it's never i don't know i just there there isn't i guess i was just trying to search for a blueprint for this team winning the title and i just because i just i don't really see it i don't know yeah i'm with you i do think they match up really well against the lakers and they have so many players with Pascal and OG. And even if you want to go bigger with like Serge, um, who could like be passable against LeBron and Serge and Mark being passable against AD, guarding mm-hmm. AD as well. So I feel like in that way, they might match up even better against the Lakers than the Bucks do. Um, so I wouldn't say it's my prediction, but I think it's definitely possible that they could win the championship this year. Yeah, I just – I still think I'm out. I mean, you know, when I when I, I was kind of just doing a deep dive in the 4 Pistons because I really wanted to prove to myself that the Raptors could win the title. Mm. I don't know. They never had to play anyone as good as the Bucks. Like, they just played 
they played like Reggie Miller's Pacers at the end of his career, who were like a 60-win team, but I mean, no one as good as Giannis, obviously. And they played Jason Kidd's Nets, and then they played in the finals a Lakers team that was falling apart because Shaq and Kobe hated each other. And it's like, I just don't think Toronto's road Toronto's road to the playoffs or to the finals goes through many more superstars than that and like better players. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel the like road to the is, finals don't really only goes through Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah. And I'm just saying that they, the 04 Pistons never have had to play, to play a Giannis. Teams, right? Yeah. I'm just saying the 04 Pistons had to play a Giannis or a LeBron, you know? The 04 Pistons, though, were a juggernaut for years. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the East from like 03 to 07, 08. So I don't know. I think so are the Raptors, I though. Think, I mean, they've I been the number exactly. one seed for years. Yeah, so I think it is comparable, and I think the Pistons' road was not easier. So I think I disagree with your assessment. I think that could happen. I don't it just think comes down to having to compare decades again, and I don't like doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just wanted to kind of think, I don't know. I mean, obviously, very different teams, of course. I just wanted to kind of contextualize it because it's such an odd contender, you know? And I just, I don't know. I would be surprised if they made the finals. That's, that's the conclusion I came to. You would be surprised? Yes. So from the East, you think it's hands down got to be Milwaukee or Boston? I honestly. Or are you thinking like the Heat or, or the Sixers are going to make a run? The Sixers have been great. I know, right? I know. Uh, I, guess I, would, I guess I would be surprised if everyone with the Bucks makes it, honestly. I mean, would I be shocked, which is just a slightly more intense surprise? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would be mildly surprised if I looked up in the Raptors in the finals, I guess. I just don't – I'm not – I just don't believe in them as a title contender, really. There, I said it. What I, You know, what does that make me? But <laughs> doesn't the fact that Siakam is basically Giannis Light with a plus jumper and three-point shot – well, Change the I don't see a I don't see a hot sauce named after Giannis. So that's what I'm saying. There's no spicy pea in Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, look, they're a great team, but I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I I always write off the East, but when it comes playoff time, there's always more than just like there's one team that always dominates the East, but in the playoffs, anything can happen and. Sure. I think it's, I think it's got to be Milwaukee, Boston, or Toronto at this point that that makes it to the finals from the East. You know, I honestly, the top four in the East are just as good as the top four in the West in my mind. I mean, you know, once you get past the LA teams, like I think I like Boston and Miami and Toronto better than the Nuggets or you know the whoever the fuck the four seed is now, the Jazz or the Rockets. I don't know. I feel like. Obviously, once you get past, like, the sixth seed, the East is ass. But at the top, pretty comparable in the the conferences, I would say. Mm -hmm. All right, Uh someone else do their their bubble tea. Who's up, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, mine kind of goes off of what Seth was talking about, too, because it deals with the Rockets. Um, Obviously, Mm. they've looked great since the restart. Um, You know, every year there's always the same questions of, Come playoff time, what's James Harden going to do? But I think, obviously, you know, you take four months off during such a rigorous schedule and season, 
You let this man rest. He's one of the best, if not the best scorer on the planet. He's best Russell with West. rest, they say. Yeah, he's best with rest. Um, you got Covington, obviously, my second favorite player in the league, I think. One of the best, if not the best defensive player in the NBA. Bobby Big Dick, baby. You already know. And Russ has just looked really good all season for them. You know, as soon as he stops focusing on taking and forcing three-pointers that he didn't need to take because you have James Harden on your team that could do that and just became basically uh, a drive and pass kind of player. He's driving to the rim and he's either finishing or he's just finding someone wide open on the perimeter. And you already know Houston's built with every single player on the court could hit threes. Mm -hmm. I think this rest period is a much bigger factor for this team than a lot of people kind of are acknowledging. And based on their style of play, like I've said before, they play such a high volatility, high volatile style, you know, forcing other teams kind of into the paint and letting them, you know, take hook shots and stuff that aren't very high percentage shots, kind of like enticing other teams, big men's onto the court while they run them off on the offensive end. It's just a beautiful to watch. I know no one else agrees with me, but I think it's great. Um, And I really think that there's a very good chance that we see them in the Western conference finals. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see them beat the Lakers. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of my three things I'm just going to kind of inject into this conversation was to ask you guys who you think the third best team in the West is, AKA, you know, which team has the best chance to upset one of the LA teams and reach the Western conference finals. And, you know, the candidates are Houston, uh, Denver, OKC. I would discount the Mavs probably because they had to play the Clippers in the first round. And I would discount the Jazz because they're ass. So, we're really looking at those. You could maybe throw in Portland if you think they're going to upset the Lakers in the first round. Um, but I, I, I tried my darndest to come up with the one that wasn't Houston. It's obviously just Houston. I mean, be- you guys just love because- to hate Houston. I know you do. No, I respect. I just hate watching them play. I understand that they're doing the smartest thing, and I, I appreciate that. But I don't like to see it on my television. Is all. I. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they looked at the rules. They said three is more than two. This is the best way to play, and they and they exploited that. I have no problem with that. I just don't have to tune in if I don't want to. I uh, their own. But the thing is, you're right about them that they have the variance that's needed to to beat anyone, right? I mean, you could they could have a game where they hit most of their threes, and you're not going to beat them regardless who you are, regardless if you're the Bucks, right, Seth? I mean, we just saw them beat them, and. So they could certainly hang with either LA teams. They have two superstars. You know, it's not unlike a team we've seen make the conference finals, you know, before. And I don't know. I think they're the highest ceiling of any non-LA team. And will I be upset if they make the finals? Yes. Will we have to <laughs> grovel to Kyle? No, because I'm, I'm putting in the work now to say that they might do it. That's smart. Yeah, I I agree with that assessment. I think it is the Rockets, although I can already feel that I'll be picking the Blazers to upset the Lakers in the first round. That's such a Kyle guaranteed. pick. <laughs> um, I, love I would I would want to do that now. too, but <laughs> I also feel like if anything, it's going to be rigged to make sure that LeBron moves on. 
Yeah. Because we all you can't you can't dismiss the fixing in basketball. True. Um, but yeah, I, I could see I could see it happening for the Houston. I could honestly see them being the Clippers. Um, yeah. I mean, just, the Clippers know, are worse. Something about that. The Clippers Lakers, feel though. like they they feel like one of those teams that's like very solid all around, and they don't have a lot of holes. But it's like if all their players just kind of play okay and then the Rockets hit threes and then they'll just look up and it's like oh they just got beat I don't know yeah I would think that they I would think that they would I would be more inclined to pick them against Clippers than the Lakers I don't really know why I think it's kind of like Seth said the Clippers are just missing a little something something you know yeah and I think just like the short term of watching the Clippers the last you know, since the restart, not having Montrez, not having Lou, they've definitely looked a lot worse than they actually are. Yeah. And that bias is really going to get me come when the playoffs actually start and they're yeah. back. But it's like, but you can't, I, it's hard to gel that quickly, though. That is a concern, right. I feel. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's that's enough Houston uh, for a lifetime. Kyle, have you done all three of yours already? No, I have one more. Seth, do you have one more, too? Yeah. Okay, Seth, you go first, and then Kyle, you can go last. Cool. Yeah, so mine is a little bit more a lighthearted one. Um, will the refs settle down? Um, <laughs> I feel like there this has is kind been, of part of what mine was, yeah. Yeah, there has been data about there being, like, way more foul calls than in the regular season. Um, and certainly the refs make mistakes all throughout the year. So maybe it's just overreacting because I've watching basketball. I feel like there have been a number of calls that are just egregious. Random. Yeah. Like there was there was the backcourt violation called against the Celtics when Jason Tatum needs to establish into the front court with two feet and the ball. And zero of those were in the front court and they still called it. And then there was, like, that one call that they go bare, got pushed, and then he, like, fell into a Pelicans mm-hmm. player, and they called a foul on Gobert. And it's just, like, like they're a, a second slow, and they see something, and they're like, oh, that must have been a call, but they didn't actually see what happened, and they're calling it anyways. So I've been pretty frustrated by that, and – just all the free throws and everything that's happening is I wish we could get more into the flow of basketball and less stoppages and all that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the refs are just a little rusty as well. See, the thing is my thought on that, and that was kind of part of my last bubble T was has having to do with the lack of fans. I, I think, or I feel like, the refs are able to make more calls because obviously players on the court and yeah. reactions and stuff are so much more audible. Like they're not fighting with trying to dr- drown out the fans and focus on the game. Like all they can do is focus on the game and all they could hear are the players talking shit to each other. Like we saw the other day, Tatum, what do you say? Fuck or something under his breath to himself. Himself. Got- yeah. The technical, right, that's like, all the technical fouls, too, have increased because but, of that, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the lack of fans has really contributed to – has has a 
strong correlation to the increase in foul calls because it's easier for the refs to hear and focus on things than they normally do. I definitely agree with that. All right. So it's settled. (laughs) Holy shit. We agree on something. (laughs) Well, I guess that's a, a good spot to end. I don't have anything else except for, Okay, you know how they have the, th- you know the things on the back of their jerseys, so uh, you know which is their great. Names, All these their numbers, yes, their no social justice Kyle. issues. Yes, thank you. Miss they have you. so, <laughs> they have social justice messages messages on the back of their shirts, which has been great. But they also added the players' names in. Um, I'm so glad on the they bottom, did that. which is great because yeah. I kept on not realizing who it was. But yeah. we all must become aware now that Paul Millsap's jersey now says "Vote for Millsap." So. <laughs> He's number four. <laughs> I think it's really just he's only playing basketball as a campaign for himself. He <laughs> is going to be running with Kanye for president. Oh, God. <laughs> Vote for Millsap and Kanye. Yeah. I feel like there might be another player that has that same setup. Someone else definitely has vote. I was watching them earlier. I can't think of who it was, though. Like, yeah, maybe it wasn't four. four. Maybe it wasn't four, yeah, but it I wasn't just read four. it as like vote yeah. whoever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, all right. Well, that's just a little bubble humor to lighten your day from the, the bubble three. We are the bubble three. <laughs> uh, anything else to say, fuckers? Never. Go Blackhawks. Oh. Go Rockets. Go White Sox. On the third day, he rose again. You already know.